Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake, mm. our humble little anime retrospective slash bad movie slash whatever we feel like podcast. Yes. Um, today, to open things up, I have a question for you, Jonathan. Oh, no. Uh, so you want a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and filled with magic robots? Sure, it sounds like those things would be right up my alley. Well, then that show is Pat Labor. Ah, um, I see little, what you did there. A little, a little joke from The Simpsons that we <laughs> had the synchronicity of encountering last time, which on the TV Tropes page is attributed uh, to Pat Labor. Wow. Um, so this is a, a show that I've you know been very much looking forward to covering here. Uh, I think we got a, a nice, fun, casual yeah. episode. That I've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Out of the giant fighting Beccas genre. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good, cozy little Sunday. Mm. But of course, before we get to that, we do have a lot to talk about yes. otherwise, if um, you would like to. I wanted to just broach this topic because, of course, we're an anime podcast and there's been a lot of, like, Asian hate going on in this country. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's utterly stupid and ridiculous um, we had that event in Atlanta, I believe, happen this week, where yes. there were some unfortunate murders for people working at a massage parlor slash adjacent thing, and nothing infuriates me more than when a white person says they've had a bad day, so that gives them the right to murder multiple people at once. And it just, I, I mean, I don't consider myself an empath, but there's moments where these things, I'm like, I'm just sick of everything, Dan. It's really mm -hmm. upsetting. And I just wanted to reach out to our viewers because obviously we stand against all this hate. Mm -hmm. And um, I've donated to a few charities in the past and now, and I just wanted to bring your attention to some resources we can do uh, or use in this time to band together because I, I know it stems probably stupidly from like the coronavirus originating in Asia and this gives them an excuse to show their true colors inside. And well, that's what the previous administration was doing. That's we don't have to speculate. That's what yeah. plenty of people have been doing. Yeah. yeah, I know we're not political, but everything we do, art is political. Just talking together is political. Mm -hmm. So there's no broaching the topic. We just need to stop this in this country yeah. because I'm utterly sick. Hopefully, as the generations progress, this will become less and less a reality. But it starts with baby steps, and I know that just not sharing these sentiments with these people. Um, I, I mean, I always get tongue-tied in these scenarios anyway. Like, the words fail me, Dan. But uh, I just want to make sure that our voices are heard. and Understandably, know, that, that yeah. That we, we don't stand for any of that, and we never will. I, hate just trumps hate, right? Like, we don't need more hate in this world. No, absolutely um, not. Yeah. Um, but I do have some resources and donation sites. Uh, GoFundMe, Stop Asian Hate. 
Um, Hate is a Virus, uh, the Asian Americans Advancing um, Initiative. I can't read my own writing, I'm sorry. But these are just a few charities. And of course, I've been reading a lot of articles on the subject on how Americans, of course, we've had like, you know, in that time period, the Japanese internment camps during the World Wars and stuff, how they glamorize the Asian culture into like food and mysticism and something that's so far outside of our norm that it's not considering yeah. them a culture at all. Yeah. And that just, it upsets me. And I, I know I'm talking in circles. No, yeah. or, or when we do, yeah. uh, racists tend to frame them as, like, the good minorities, yeah. the model ones, uh, you know, yeah. and that's... There, there is, is no... Uh, there are so many forms that this kind of... Mm-hmm. hatred takes yeah. bizarre forms mm-hmm. and uh, we see it shift when scapegoats are needed yeah um what comes back into prominence what doesn't so it it uh mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it things things suck but yeah. we're you know we attempt to i'm not sure who we you know, we we reach our our fair numbers through this this yeah. podcast. Well, and more we... than we could, you know, screaming at ourselves in this room, Dan. Yeah. So yeah. I put on the soapbox, stand on the soapbox once more, and give our opinions. If you can donate, I encourage you to do so. If not, please research, educate yourselves, because we're just in a time period where you should know better, and you need to know better, and it's on no one but you. Yeah. Um. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but I've been watching The Bachelor, and it doesn't relate to this at all. But um, w- the winner of this season, quote unquote, Rachel, she was revealed. This was the first Black Bachelor starring mm-hmm. Matt James, and I know it's completely tangent. But then it came out during the filming of the show that she attended a recent antebellum party in like 2014. Yeah, and she was like, "Well, I didn't know what that word meant, and that was commonplace there, but." She's been, like, called out on, like, obviously, it's your job to understand that. Like, dissect, is there something wrong here? Because antebellum means before the war, right? Like, that's the first place you would go. And it's just, we're in a period. Everyone should know better. Just educate yourselves. Like, you go on this show and you expect, like, oh, no one's going to look up my deep, seedy past where I've done nothing wrong before. Like... I, I just well, don't understand. Well, it's, I think, willful ignorance. I think it's, yeah. uh, sometimes I think it's intentional. It's, it's, it, it's intentional. I think a lot of people out there assume that even if they have these prejudices, they will still have a sizable number of people who defend them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's gone, uh... Ironic phrasing, but masks off a lot in the past couple of years. And, you know, again, whatever whatever we can, as far as we can go as an anime retrospective podcast, yeah. um, you know, we're just two people trying to speak from a place of common sense. Yeah, and kindness, Yeah, you know, and hope that one day it'll get better. It's just, we've been in this depressing spiral for a long time, at least I have. No, so yeah. I just want to like vent my frustrations to the universe rather than to scream against my wall as I normally do. So I do appreciate you being here week after week, Dan. No, but you know, again, this uh, you know we've tried to emphasize you know um, throughout this whole stretch that 
you know, I mean, doing this podcast is good for our mental health. Yes. Other creative endeavors help with that, but it is, you know, it is a good time for, for self-care and kind of, you know, focusing on, like, the positives that you can do. Mm. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> so, uh, tangential to what, what you just talked about, mm-hmm. um, I want to uh, address another elephant in the room, as, mm. I, as I mentioned to you before uh, we started this. Yes. Um, just to, you know even dispel the chance of hypocrisy on our part we're not fucking doing star wars mm-hmm. um like i i went back and forth with myself for that you know up until like last week when we said we're doing star wars yeah. and then within a span of like 4 days i was already regretting that announcement because mm-hmm. like there are there is like a borg of fan bases mm-hmm. online now that are contributing to this hate, um, and it, it, it's not—it's not only that specific form of hate. It's kind of like a, a shape-shifting hate that varies week by week depending on what they need it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for one thing, to preempt our usual content, which is you know a, a product of Asian culture. Yes. For that stuff. Um, you know, it would just, it would take some willful ignorance on, on, oh, yeah. on my part, I yeah. think, to, you know, we, we can do these podcast episodes and, and put the hashtags on there, but all throughout May, the, the chuds are going to be out in full force, mm-hmm. and if we're sitting there with, like, uh, some cutesy artwork of us in Star Wars costumes yeah. going, let's talk about the movies, while you have other branches of this fandom and many fan bases mm-hmm. going on incredibly paranoid racist rants at we the can't drop do of it a in dime good conscience yeah like so, no it makes sense yeah, yeah. you know yeah. because it, it, it's this type of again just like willful blinders on that we've we've joked about many times on this podcast mm-hmm. like the you know, like, the, the food blogger types and such, who, yes. like, here's how you can go to Olive Garden in the middle of the pandemic. Like, we're not, we're not going to, no. you know, we can, we can use our platform here to showcase things that are, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars doesn't need anything. No. Star Trek doesn't need anything. Harry Potter doesn't need anything. No. Um, we, 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 you know. Mm. Again, this is, I know this is a shift from last week, but the raccoons have given us a great Sage deal advice. of creative freedom yeah. <laughs> now that we've hit syndication numbers. Yes. So it's just like, again, it's exhausting. Like, we're not going to play these games anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, specifically, uh, one of the big things this week was that Geeks and Gamers got upset because because uh, Zack Snyder uh, decried I, them. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, okay. We're yeah. going to talk about it. Thank goodness. He, uh, <laughs> he, he... Uh, I did see him in like a Zoom call going, we don't stand for this. Yeah. 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 And and several of the versions that I saw had the the GG ass wipes reacting like live like as they were expecting like some shout out as a thank you and <sighs> they were watching it and you can see them like the the fucking uh you can see his heart breaking in real you know, and it, it, it was like yeah. <laughs> and now, uh, so within, you know, within that in mind, again, this, this kind of Borg of, of internet assholes has kind of, they seem to be all throwing in on the same side that mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to mock Asians, it's cool to threaten violence, it's, you know, we're doing it ironically, bro, and it, no. it and it, and it's, 
And it's like, how how in the fuck do half of these things evolve like this? How how in the fuck do random like sci-fi fan bases and book fan bases and TV show ones like morph into this? What and I don't get is Star Wars is clearly inspired by like Eastern culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. And 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 it, it you know and that that is a trait of most science fiction yeah. and, and and space opera. Yeah stuff it, it it is you you get some basis for that from real world events usually mm-hmm. like there there's parts of the ot that that kind of frame the empire as the americans in the vietnam war mm-hmm. you know the prequels have a ton of stuff in them that are like the bush era policies where how much are we giving over to a government to to you know keep mm-hmm. us safe against an enemy that we can't see or mm-hmm. don't experience mm-hmm. And the sequels briefly said rich people were bad. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, uh, it, it, it's just absurd. And yeah. that's and that's like we're not gonna. I'm not gonna talk anymore about no. Star Wars. It's just you know, it is what it is. Being in the in the the the, the podcasting game as we were, <laughs> and we you know specifically when we talk about you know we we focus on works of fiction. We talk about usually. You know, more science fictiony, yeah. out there kind of things, and you just have to wonder, like, okay, if you're if you're somehow transforming this into a a hatred thing, then it's not about those series anymore. It's about you. Mm. Like it's it it is like I I don't know, and and I know that there are are many people who have built identities based around fictional franchises that they love Mm -hmm. um and maybe you know in that i I dare to say sense of community they feel more comfortable to start expressing this shit Mm -hmm. and it just spirals out of control from there but it is you know it's not just a star wars problem it's not just Mm. it's not specific to any franchise um it's just it's becoming an internet fandom thing, and it's mm. sad. Mm. It, it it is it is really just sad, mm-hmm. um, because you got to think about the number of of like young people, um, many of whom may be young people in those racial groups, mm-hmm. who might make a legitimate attempt to discover a new favorite thing, and they're going to be met with just this this wall of bullshit, mm-hmm. where people who are like us, yeah. who are like older, you know, evil versions of us, mm-hmm. are like gatekeeping a children's space wizard franchise mm-hmm. um, and telling people who can and cannot enjoy it, Yeah, who's evil for enjoying something. Yeah. And it's just like, and again, this is, this is, this is just one of those things where, I mean, we're trying to frame this in the context of a podcast mm. that talks about fictional things. Just, you know. Yeah. Well, this in- inspires an idea within me, Dan. And mm-hmm. I know just on the, the drawing board right now, he's in the room <laughs> listening to us as always. Um, perhaps we could have an Asian film month. Like, yeah. I've got my Wong Kar Ra- Y box set coming. I've got some Kurosawa's on the shelf. We've got Haosu. Yeah. Maybe we can, you know, plug out some of my faves and uh, introduce a new generation to some classic Asian cinema. I think that would be great. All right. Yeah, I got some Kurosawa's that I'd love to yeah. to show. Yeah. Um but I'll find I'll find others. I'll try to I'll try to be yeah. less mainstream. <laughs> but I'll, I'll mine, are, mine are gonna be pretty mainstream. Um, but, but 
but it's fine. Those Criterions. We can chill for Criterion. Be- we can, oh. uh, well, <laughs> to a point, when they take off... Um, oh, what did they take off? Days of... It was like a Terrence McMahon film that I didn't have on Blu-ray and it got transferred over to someone else and now they don't have the rights anymore and I'm kicking myself. But I did get Rosemary's Baby, which uh, switched over. So yeah. luckily that's one of my rare criterions now, like a rare <laughs> Muppet. But uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts, Dan, as always on this. Remember, encourage everyone to donate and try the best that they can, be the best that they can be, and don't be a racist. It's never flattering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, it, don't it be doesn't a racist. suit you. Don't be a racist. <laughs> Just, you know... Christ, if throughout this whole stretch of time, if if the Love. need for positivity yeah. hasn't become apparent, just you know, mm-hmm. enough is enough at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, not nothing we say is going to, but you know, we, we're we're just uh, you yeah. know, for the love of God, folks, yeah. you know, yeah, <sighs> for the love of anime. <laughs> Just love of Miku, please. Just <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, do we have any anime adjacent slash video game news to talk about this week? I've got a few things on the docket, and I want to hear about the Snyder Cut. Oh, do I want to? Hear... You want me to start with that? Then? No, I want you to end with that, okay. baby. Um, so I'll go first. I've only got a few things, so I guess I'll do all mine in one stroke. Um, first things first, Persona 5 Strikers. I put, as I said, Bravely Default 2 to the side so I can focus on Strikers. I'm about 80% through the game and still loving it. I think that Dan's gonna love it because the villains are, like, the most gray area villains in the world. And, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a Dan move right there. Oh, you're (laughs) inspiring yourself by a Super Sentai show, huh? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're coming out in a giant mech Gundam suit to one of the characters goes, he has a fucking mech? (laughs) And I said, "Mm, who do I know in my wheelhouse that's going to love this game? But I think it's fun. It's like summer vacation, except we're in the spring and the summer quickly approaches now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's great. Play Royal first or play Vanilla first, but but play Royal and ignore the the Royal extras because they're not included in this. Mm -hmm. But it's a great game and I'm loving it. Uh, It is the one year anniversary of Animal Crossing New Horizons and Coronaversary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so a good good job leading with this. I mean, two things have been on my mind daily, Animal Crossing, and what am I going to do about this virus? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, it's gotten me through a tough time, Animal Crossing. They gave us a cake item. <laughs> they gave us more slots for pro designs. Oh, good. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on in the Animal Crossing fandom, and I just hope they give us more and more, and all for free. That, that's yeah. what I love. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I decked my island out in the more... Obviously, I'm walking around in the Wario costume. Uh, as, of course, as, as, as I, could, I am in the peach dress. So. If it were socially acceptable to do that in real life, I would do that too. But, you know, I'll save it for Animal Crossing. Yes. I do hope we get Brewster back at some point. Mm, don't we all? I'm saving real estate we in case. Show. I have no real estate to give, but I'll find a way. Um, and then lastly, Square Enix had a Square Enix Presents, which for many fans on the internet, surprisingly, was not good. But there were two gems that were revealed. We had a continuation of the Life is Strange series with Life is Strange True Colors, where you play young Alex Chen using emotional empathy superpowers to kind of dissect and solve a mystery in this new, beautiful, like, Washington-esque tree town. Ooh, okay. Um, It looks very good. Uh, It's quality. That's on the PS5. And then the first two games, Life is Strange and Life is Strange Before the Storm, um, not Life is Strange 2, are getting updates uh, graphically and such. Oh, so it looks okay. really good and pretty now. And I pre-ordered it because I do like those games. Even though, like, the first game devolves into, will you save the bay or save the bay? <laughs> 
I, no, I legitimately yeah. love that first game. Yeah. That that was yeah. I didn't play before the storm or the second one just for lack of yeah. time. Yeah. But I I do still love as goober as it gets. Mm-hmm. I do love that that first game. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it. No. You know. Um. So I recommend that. And then we had a tease for a game coming out in 2022 called Forspoken. And it's just, like, this epic Square Enix fantasy set with, like, a modern woman going, like, is that a fucking drag? (laughs) Like, what do I do here? Um, But it looks good, and it just looked pretty. So I was like, I'm intrigued by this. Mm. That's all I have to say. And they said Square Enix is going to give us more news in the summer, so maybe at E3 a certain Nintendo will pop up again, too. That would be nice. Yeah. (laughs) It would be nice. One can dream. (laughs) But... That's all I got, Dan. My well-worn stride. Um, on my end, uh, there were two big premieres this week. Uh, one of which was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, yes. which is the first of six episodes premiering every Friday, Disney+. Plus. Um, I love it so far uh, because I don't know if this has ever come up on the podcast, but uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier is my favorite mm-hmm. MCU movie. Mm. I, in my opinion, it's it's like the most solid, uh, and it functions well as like this mystery political thriller, um, even independent of you know what, like the rest of the stuff in the mm-hmm. MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, you know, because it's focusing on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this series seems to have that kind of tone so far. Mm. Um, so it it. it uh, you know, it's kind of finally giving some much-needed development to these two characters. You know, we've kind of only seen them in relation to, like, Captain America so far, and now they're kind of left alone to, you know, have some arcs of their own. Mm. Um, and obviously with, with Falcon, it's dealing with some, like, racial, you know, you know, very modern-day problems mm-hmm. where uh, it seems he's he's more or less been replaced as as Captain America's heir in the public um by uh you know a white dude mm. who I think is a is a is a he's a a comic character that's usually called US citizen and he's obviously a bad guy but oh, he no. <laughs> um but it it is uh you know so it has you know Falcon dealing with that you know, not only in U.S. citizen to rival Florida man. <laughs> yeah, and and what, uh, but he, I don't think I don't think they're using that name in the show. It's just he's the new Captain America, and it's obviously Falcon dealing with like, you know, h- him on a personal level feeling worthy for Captain America's mantle, but also the public seemingly on only wanting level, yeah. Yeah. this new guy to take it. Hmm. And while the Winter Soldier is kind of processing his his ever. Continuing grief over what he did while he was brainwashed, pretty mm. much. Bucky, Bucky, young yeah. Bucky. Um, <laughs> you know, so great series. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but it did kind of get overshadowed by the other thing that came out, uh, which is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. My God, my nipples are erect, Dan. I'm ready for you. <laughs> um, I saw so much on the internet this week about this. Well, uh, shocking take for me. Oh I I sincerely enjoyed it. Oh no, <laughs> I with with a lot of asterisks. Mm. Um, uh, you know, a lot of asterisks. Um, if you someday when 
I feel it. I, maybe if I if I cameo on Nightcaps or something, I'll bring one of those movies, or we'll do them here. I, I don't know, but I don't know. Um, Man of Steel is a kind of weird movie. It's mm-hmm. not bad. It's just like a very tonally confusing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Batman versus Superman, as I've stressed, is bad. It 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 is. Uh, you know, it is. It was a very weirdly early symptom of those, like, anti-plot movies where it it has no plot structure to it aside from making action scenes happen. Um, and it, it does a lot of things with the characters that are um, qu- questionable, I guess. Mm. You know, and I've tried to I've tried to refine my arguments over the years with that movie because obviously, you know, when people were complaining about The Last Jedi or whatever, it's like, oh, well, this this fictional character is out, isn't acting how I want them. And it's not, it's not that type of, of complaint. It's more or less, you know, when you have a Batman versus Superman movie, you generally want them to be opposite personalities. Um, and Batman versus Superman doesn't do that because everyone's kind of a douche. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... This Justice League movie, you know, if what bothered you about the first two films were kind of their more dour, grimdark approach, mm-hmm. you're not going to like this mm-hmm. this version of Justice League. Um, where my investment comes in is that I'm just fascinated, I was fascinated to just see his complete uh, take on whatever this, you know, was going to be, Mm -hmm. and it's presented exactly as he wanted it to be, it is, it is four hours of, um, you know, of this storyline with tons of extra character arcs thrown in, and, um, none of it feels bad, none of it feels like Mm -hmm. not serving its purpose, and it sets up, I would assume, the original multi-film arc that Snyder had planned back in the day. Um, you know, I, I would assume when BVS was in production. Um, but, you know, from again, from a creative standpoint, it's just interesting to see someone's vision, like, come to life. Uh, but uh, it is still very dour. It is still very grimdark. Uh, there's a lot of implications, well, well, outright confirmation that we're heading for a bad future, so we're not, like, these characters are not out of the woods yet, Superman is not Superman yet, he's still grimdark Superman person, um... That's my mommy's name. You know, and he, he is seemingly <laughs> heading down that path, um, but it, it is, I, I need to praise it because uh, it is using the streaming platform the way that it should be used. Like, you you put something on a streaming platform and, you know, people are watching from their homes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to cut it down to two hours to mm-hmm. get studio executives happy. Is it divided into, like, episodes, or...? Yeah, it's okay. divided into, like, chapter titles. Because I don't know if I would be able to do... I mean, unless it was an Ariaster joint. <laughs> Four hours. It it didn't... I mean, this is gonna... This is gonna be a uh, moment for me, but it didn't... It didn't feel like... It, it didn't... It didn't feel like four hours. Um, <laughs> no comment. It, and, and it, uh... You know... It, 
you know, I have to give it props for for just taking advantage of like the time that we're living in now where things can come out on these streaming services but they're not going to be confusingly edited nightmares like Wonder Woman 84. Mm. And even Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker wasn't a streaming release, but it felt like a streaming mm-hmm. release. It felt like a straight to DVD release. Um <laughs> you know, and several other movies that have kind of had that problem, like even Bill and Ted Face the Music felt mm. like that at some points. It's 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 just becoming like a a very I don't know, sadly recurring thing with movies that get released in this post-COVID era that they're, like, edited by, you know, like, someone's just pushing buttons at a computer and it's like, oh, well, uh, okay, here's a two-hour print, and it, it it's it's jarring, because they don't feel like movies. They feel like a bunch of edits between people talking, but they're never in the same room, because mm. they weren't on the same set, it's just yeah. creative camera work that that is very transparent, and the Snyder Cut does not feel like that. Okay. The Snyder Cut uses its length to, it uses the freedom of being on a streaming service to tell a story, mm. and that's what I'm here for. I, <laughs> as I, I can't said, judge, Dan. I, you're talking to a wall right now. <laughs> I I I don't like movies. I don't like TV shows. I I but the Snyder Cut. Fine. I, I for Dan. I just like mm. complete stories being told. No, and I'm not. Mm. I'm not. I would still rate it as a solid like B minus because of of because again, if if you if you didn't like the grim dark elements of the previous two, then you're not going to like this. Um, it, it is uh, again, it it kind of leans much heavier into that darkness, and that might not be what people need at the moment it's just it, it, it um again from from a pure production standpoint it's just cool to see someone's original intended story get told even if i haven't always uh been a stan of that mm. method uh, or of that story being told it's still cool to see um mm. but do i think it's for everyone no <laughs> no you know it it has other problems it has you know, it shares a lot of weird little problems with the Whedon cut, but it is significantly better than that version. It is it is night and day compared to that original theatrical mess that we got. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. There's there, there's and it and it's just the thing with with how these DC superheroes go. We're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put a spoiler. So jump ahead by five minutes. <laughs> um. The Martian Manhunter shows up, and mm-hmm. we we might remember him from uh you know just a cartoon, League cartoon. Yep. and he is literally he's literally like he shows up in like a credit stinger, and he's like goes to visit Bruce Wayne at his house, and he's like, many have called me the Martian Manhunter, I will be in touch, and then he, and I'm like okay that's. That's, you know... But the, was it worth the four hours? We thing? got four hours of goober existential uh. dread, and then Martian Manhunter shows up, and he's like, I'm Martian Manhunter. And it's <laughs> it's like, like okay, I, I can... I guess I can be on board for this. So mm. it's a hesitant recommend, but I do recommend it. Mm. You know. All right. Set aside four hours. <laughs> Don't know if I'll be doing that, but... <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm happy you're happy-ish, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, that's what counts. You know, the Irishman was good practice. Oh, God. Oh, God. I think you're viewing this streaming platform thing all wrong, Dan. 
understand, but <laughs> that's a story for a different episode. Um, tangent. I do have one. It's very off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Go for it. What's your favorite fighting mecha robot style genre anime? Ah, <laughs> uh. why? <laughs> that's my question. Um, I guess I like. And I know this is a deep, deep cut that only Dan Ryan will get. I like the SD Gundam series because they're cheap yeah. little robots. Even though that animation did not age well. Um, I have a statuette of Zero that I, I prize above a lot of things, as Dan will know. Yeah. <laughs> Zero the Night Gundam. Um, I like the design of that. I also like the svelte design of uh, Evangelion robots. I think there are mm-hmm. a lot of futuristic elements there. It's very weird. But I enjoy it. No, of course. I, yeah. I mean... Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to feel any shame for <laughs> saying you like SD Gundam. That's I, I. think a lot of us that was that was on our after school block. So that was, you know, a lot of us would have grown up with that. Um, I mean, I, I still think my my favorite is G Gundam. Um, hmm. You know, uh, but I mean, there's other if we, depending on how far in we go into the giant robot genre. Uh, Megas XLR. Oh, <laughs> do we dare? Representing New Jersey is in there. I was gonna say like the Power Rangers, <laughs> Symbionic Titan. Oh, oh. Uh, dead before its time, <laughs> but it was it was good. Mm. Um, but you know, obviously, well, you know, obviously Evangelion too. But I, I would say G Gundam is still at the top for me because that was probably my first. You and forgot favorite. Zoids, Dan. Oh well. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess they do count as that. So. <laughs> Transformers. You can't forget Zoids. <laughs> uh, Transformers aren't they're they're not piloting and they're they're Ooh. themselves. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're just robots. <laughs> um, they're sentient. So yeah, no, I I mean I, I still stand by G Gundam as a fave of mine. So mm-hmm. well, thank you for that tangent. <laughs> no, it's it's. I think it, I think it comes down to how much like realism or magic you want. In mm. your robot series, <laughs> Magic G Gundam is a combination of them, mm. um, w- which is something we'll touch upon again for this episode. But you know, if you want more realism, I would think earlier Mobile Suit Gundam stuff is is right up people's alley. Mm. You know, obviously uh, Evangelion does a lot of subversions, and it's it's not technically uh, a mech series, but you know, it looks at those tropes. And then if you want to go further back, you can watch something like Mazinger Z for the full-blown magic robots mm. who, who are like, you know, it has like powers and it, um, you know, powered by friendship. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm trying to like stretch my, scratch my brain about what Gundam-esque giant mecha fighting robots. And now that you said Megas XLR, that kind of opens up. <laughs> A different portal into my life. Well, everyone should. I got every- transported back to a different time. Now I remember Rave Master. Oh yeah, <laughs> the dark times—they're coming back again. <laughs> Future watch on the episode, maybe if I can get my hands on a physical <laughs> Rave yeah, Master I... set. Oh god. Well, yeah, there was that whole stretch of time. <sighs> that was like that weird in-between point when, like, Toonami had, like, that green video game filter, I think. Oh my god, I remember. And we still have to get to Kolioko. Yeah, oh, we do. I'm searching. <laughs> There's not enough time, <laughs> Not enough time. But <laughs> my tangent has ended. Let's get into the main course of today's episode, shall we? Okay, let me just, uh... Um, 
Well, yes, as promised, we are going to be going into Pat Labor, the early days, otherwise Ooh. known as Pat Labor, the original OVA series. As opposed to Jonathan Wachowski, the later days. <laughs> Fading starlet. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have the range, then. As Shirley Bassey doesn't have the range. Just Jonathan Wachowski. I'm sorry, I love her, but she doesn't have the range. Last credited role was Clowns. Various. <laughs> <laughs> and then he died. <laughs> From shame. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we're gonna wheel out the drawing board, oh. um, and the drawing board today is Futurist Edition, hmm. uh, so he is dressed up in some cyberpunk gear, uh, but not a lot. Is he's he still- deep-throwing a pizza? Yeah, he's still, he's still, <laughs> yes, he's <laughs> unhinging his jaw. Uh, he still looks like a, like a modern-day drawing board, but with some, uh, mechanical, uh, enhancements Accoutrement. <laughs> um, well, speaking of accoutrement, uh- th- <laughs> It is just Pat Labor, as I said last week. Well, you know I'm going to pronounce it Pat Labor yeah, it, <laughs> every it, time. It, it is just Pat Labor, a combination of patrol and labor. Patricia's Labor. And and when we, you know, when we talk on this podcast, usually Jonathan's French bleeds over into... Uh, My split personality comes out. But it is not Pat Labor, it is just Pat Labor. Well, so. it's going to be a challenge for me, but I'll take this role on. Uh, the Mobile Police Pat Labor franchise began in 1988. The series is the brainchild of Headgear, a group of creators that includes director Mamoru Oshii, who would obviously go on to direct Ghost in the Shell, Mm. manga artist Masami Yuki, character designer Akemi Takada, uh, mecha designer Yutaka Izubuchi, screenwriter Kazunori Ito, and a few others. Mm. There There were rotating members, I think usually... The people who did, like, the music for these many projects rotated out, um, but that was seen, that was usually the main lineup. Uh, the franchise was conceived from a start as a media mix, uh, which is kind of like the Japanese term for a multimedia franchise. Uh, its first installments would be concurrent OVA and manga series, with theatrical films and an anime series to follow. Uh, apparently, the OVA format was chosen for this first uh, stretch of of anime mm. uh, so that they could avoid any legal complications with Shogakukan, uh, the uh, publisher of the manga. Uh, and I tried to there I couldn't really f- find a lot of like deep dives into that aspect, but I would assume you know if you're publishing something in like a magazine and the manga distributor wants you to adapt it or or mm. doesn't want you to adapt it, it would add a like an extra level of complications, you know, and and kind of doing mm-hmm. the OVA route freed them up from having to adapt the manga because yeah. again these were concurrent, separate, you know, uh, they were they were all being made at the same time but mm-hmm. independently of each other, so mm-hmm. they didn't want to be constrained by what the other branch was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so it was all worked on during the same time frame, uh, and and as the popularity of those first two installments. Uh, you know, was pretty much solidified. The actual anime series began in earnest, as did several movie releases, and uh, the manga did run. I think it did have like a decent uh, over like ten volume run. Okay. Um. So uh, notably, Pat Labor and a two episode OVA titled Twilight Q are the only series created by the full collaborative team of Headgear. Hmm. Um. So. You know, maybe in pairs, members of this of of Headgear would have collaborated for um, 
other projects. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being big industry names, they would have probably ended up, you know, mixing, on and, things, yeah. mixing and matching yeah. on several things, but under the full uh, creative banner of Headgear, this and that OVA series were the only things that they, they did. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and obviously for the size of the Pat Labor franchise, you know, that's that's reasonable. Um, and, you know, it... it uh, it seems like um, that seems to be like a common thing mm. in the anime industry. Like a studio will be formed to specifically make a project, mm. and then they might, you know, not officially disband. But when yeah. the job is done, they're going to go home. Yeah. Um. So Pat Labor takes place in the far off future of 1998. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, the world has been revolutionized by a series of robots designed for heavy industrial use, known as labors. The advent of labors has led to a spike in labor-related offensive offenses, mm. uh, because people are obviously using this newfound giant robot <laughs> equipment to commit crimes. Ah. Um, and special police forces have been created to deal with this new threat. This series takes place in the Tokyo metropolitan area, which falls under the Pat Labor jurisdiction of Special Vehicles Divisions Unit One. But the series doesn't focus on them. The SVDU? SVDU, yes. <laughs> mm, Ice T's on the phone. He wants a word. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, SVU. Yeah, uh, well, that's another anime series that Dan will get to eventually. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be what kills me. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, be, yeah. that'll be where the series ends. Where they do the, the real life <laughs> episode where, like, the Sims do virtual life. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. A classic. And then the the one whose mom was obsessed with Humphrey Bogart. Oh my god. Bogie would be ashamed, did you? And he, like, oh my god. That that series lost the plot more than anything we could ever cover. No. How do we even begin? Even more than Gilmore Girls, which yeah. is my go-to anime of choice. <laughs> it's um, just so long. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so the assumption being is that uh, SVDU1 are the disciplined professionals <laughs> who defend, like, the greater, you know, the, the city itself mm-hmm. from these labor crimes. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, the series puts the spotlight <laughs> on Unit 2. The a, others. <laughs> yeah, a group of oddballs and slackers who are generally confined to the outskirts of Tokyo, mm. uh, to the point where their their base is, like an abandoned airfield that's, like, in the boonies outside mm-hmm. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the main cast includes Noah Izumi, uh, who is the main protagonist. Uh, she is an energetic and fresh-faced otaku who loves Mecha. Uh, she names her personal pat labor Alphonse, <laughs> uh, and she treats it as a best friend and equal partner. Mm. And that's that's sort of a recur- Like, she, she gives her pat labor a name, and she kind of tries to push the rest of the team to name their pat labors and sometimes they like the other people do to humor her but they don't use them consistently maybe some fma inspiration there yeah Hmm. well yeah no it wouldn't surprise me Hmm. um uh, next is uh, asuma (laughs) shinohara who was voiced by dan Dan green Green. Hmm. uh he is the dispossessed heir to the mecha construction corporation that manufactures most of the labors used in japan uh, his parents seemingly tricked him into joining the Special Vehicles Division. Uh, he goes on a... We're not going to be watching the first episode, but mm-hmm. in that one he goes on a rant that they were like, oh, it'll help you build character if you sign these papers and go do a 
couple weeks to train, and then mm. he's like, you know, he's in the military, so he's stuck there. Yeah. Um, but he is very much a slacker. He, uh, his official position is Noah's backup, uh, or like the, you know, the, the backup pilot in case something happens to Noah. He does not have his own labor, mm. usually. Um, but, uh, depending on the translation you're using, his role is similar to that of a field commander, and if we do a deep dive into Pat Labor lore, I think the the number twos might have a little bit more command clout, like mm. they can make judgment calls that the you know the people in the laborers can't sometimes. Mm. So there's a there's a give and take relationship. Mm. Um, but again, he's a major slacker. He you know his motivations for sticking with the the labor division are. Um, not always clear. I think for a brief stretch, he does it mostly to pick up chicks. Oh. And he, you know, he... Want to see my Big Mac? Yeah, he, he is obviously <laughs> like the... But he does get development as the series goes on. You get the sense that he is kind of like, um... Concerned about these labors that his father's company is manufacturing and the danger that they pose mm -hmm. to regular people. Uh, he's very against, like, militarization of these machines and, uh, you know, because that's that's another aspect of world building. As far as we can tell, labors are used throughout the world mm. um, and they are used for military purposes. They are, they have weaponry and setups designed for military use. Um, you know, it's so it, the main slice of the pie is construction work. Mm -hmm. Then we have these patrol labors that our cast is dealing with, and then there are military ones and exploration ones <laughs> and other things like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's the you know a little little more insight into how this world is functioning. Mm. Uh, next, we have Captain Kichi Goto, who is probably my favorite character. Of course. He is uh, Division 2's laid-back commander. He is very much like a stealth mentor type. Like, he comes off as a very, like, lackadaisical, and mm -hmm. it's hard to read his motivations. He kind of reminds me of uh, Kakashi from Naruto ah. a lot. He gives off that vibe. It, it, you know, he'll often use, like, subtle pranks and stuff mm -hmm. to try to teach his team lessons and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's just funny. He usually gets, like, the most snappy dialogue when he's chewing the team out mm. um with him is captain shinobu nagomo who is the reserved by the book commander of unit one um but he she shows up usually at like unit two's operations to like oversee them mm -hmm. i think early on uh I, again we're not going to watch episode one but i think the implication was that she's She's keeping an eye on them to see if they're actually deserving of these new labors that they receive, mm. because her team could use some extra pat labors, and, <laughs> you know, but she ends up kind of hanging around as a member of the main cast, you know, and eventually... It's that yin-yang, that he, good, you know, um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember it? Like, the thin man, oh my god, why can't I remember, like, the bokeh, the damn Japanese comedy, the straight man and the... Oh my god, why can't I remember? Oh, just continue. No, I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the bokeh some yeah. routine, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, you know, so she she usually ends up hanging around, and her and Goto have, like, a romantic arc, eventually. Oh. Um, next is Hiromi Yamazaki. Would you call it, hold on, Love's Lebrose Lost? Oh. Did I kill Shakespeare again, Dad? <laughs> that was a Futurama episode, too. <clears throat> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> So, Hiromi Yamazaki, the towering yet gentle and sensitive man who drives Unit 2's Pat Labor transport truck. 
Uh, you'll recognize him immediately when you see him. He's like, he kind of looks like Tagoro. I know that man. But he's nice. He's he's like the kind-hearted, you know, peace-loving yeah. soul of the group. Um, then is uh, uh, Isao Ota, who is another Pat Labor pilot. Uh, pretty much the only other person besides Noah who gets to pilot one. And he is hot-blooded and <laughs> impulsive. Uh, he's a jerk with a heart of gold. Mm. He's very much trying to give off like an alpha male manly man thing. But that facade falls apart. You know, very easily. Um, You know, and uh, then we have Lieutenant Kanuka Clancy, (laughs) who is a hotshot Japanese-American NYPD officer sent to observe Tokyo's mecha operation. Of course. Um, (laughs) She is, yeah, she's a very cool kind of in-control character. Uh, I think the chance to work with her is one of the things that gets uh, Dan Green's character to stick around. Mm. He's like, ooh. But, um... A babe. Not within the context of this OVA series, but she does leave eventually back to America and is replaced with uh, Lieutenant Takeo Kumagami, uh, who is an ultra, also an ultra competent <laughs> policewoman who is brought in to replace Kanuka. Um, but, you know, she she's not, I don't think she shows up in any of the episodes that we are going to be watching today. That's a later plot development. Um, next is. Uh, Mikuyasu Shinshi, uh, the mild-mannered computer expert and family man who is the backup to, uh, Oda. So they're, you know, it's strong man-nerd contrast Mm -hmm. there. Uh, you know, he's a family man, and (laughs) even though he seems put upon by his wife and kids, do not insult them, because he will, he'll show you his strength if you, (laughs) if you mock his family. (laughs) He'll change characters real quick. Um, next is, uh, Seitaru Sakaki. Uh, and again, very recognizable when you see him. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, the, the, uh, the, the typical fighter pilot glasses on, like, the sunglasses. Like, he looks like a drill sergeant. Um, and he's the gruff old chief engineer who oversees the near-constant maintenance that the Pat laborers require. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he's, you know, very tough old guy vibes, but he's clearly a big fan of these <laughs> machines. He's a gearhead, so he, he loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his assistant is Shigeo Shige Shiba, um, and he is, like, usually used for comic relief, but he is a very intelligent person who is, uh, you know, he's, he's Sakaki's protege, um, and he's usually used for plots where they need, like, a nerd to do things, Mm. um, but he contributes a lot of comedy, especially in one of the episodes that we're going to be watching. Mm. Um, so... As a throwback to our discussion about Mobile Suit Gundam, um, you know, when we talked about G Gundam, we talked about hard sci-fi and the franchises that kind of fall under that term. Yeah. Like, Mobile Suit Gundam, the original one, was hard sci-fi. G Gundam integrated a lot of super robot tropes, Mm -hmm. as in, you know... The willpower and the power of love and anger can can make the robot do extra things. Um, <clears throat> Pat Labor leans much more on the hard sci-fi part of the spectrum. The Labors are incredibly complicated temperamental machines mm. that require constant maintenance, constant repairs, and software updates to function correctly. Much like me, yeah. Yes. Um, so <laughs> this chassis doesn't build itself, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like as as the series goes on, we do see the labors kind of engaging in more direct combat roles, but the expense of that is never downplayed. 
Uh, like, there's one comedic moment where I think Oda bangs his head of his labor on the inside of a tunnel, mm-hmm. and it smashes, like, the, the head of the, of the, you know, the labor. Yeah. And whereas that would kind of be like a one-off joke in another show, that labor is sidelined for the rest of the episode because they need to go and replace the head or else the thing's not going to be able to function. Mm. Uh, there's another thing, you know, that I... That sticks with me that I kind of like. Um, at one point when uh, Unit 2's base has been taken over, you know, in, in in things that lean closer into super robot territory, only the robot's buddy is able to operate it. But in that episode, it's like, no, you need a series of, of CD-ROMs to get the, the main labor program running. And then a later scene is like, well, they stole the CD-ROMs and now they can use the labor too. So uh-huh. it's like, you know... It is very, they are, the labors are treated like the squad cars. Mm. That's, that's the best thing. The, okay. the focus, especially for these OVA episodes, is not on them. So, like, my dead mom's not inhabiting the robot no. in any form. Okay. No. I might like that a little bit more. The, you know, the, the focus <laughs> is, is on the people instead. Um, the world of Pat Labor more or less looks exactly like our own, or would have looked exactly like Japan did in 1998, uh, but with a few bits of cyberpunk thrown in. Uh, this setting lends itself well to Pat Labor's signature blend of science fiction, drama, thriller, and slice-of-life tropes. I would say for, for some of these OVA episodes, it definitely leans heavier into slice-of-life. It mm. is very much about these these characters. Mm. Um, and, you know, an interesting take on, on cyberpunk because, um, you know... When we go into darker cyberpunk, it is, you know, obviously Ghost in the Shell. Uh, cyberpunk 277 attempts to do that with goober results. Yes. Um, you know, but this is very much like these are real people. They're still idiots. They're still like just as, you know, fallible and, and you know, or optimistic mm-hmm. or, you know, positive as regular people would be. But they have access to giant robots. Mm-hmm. And that's a key thing throughout this series mm. is that you know this big technological advancement has happened but people are still people mm. um and they'll use what they can to do what they can <clears throat> um that being said starting with uh the third film that was released and later installments um the series does take on a much darker tone mm. to the point where from that point on, it almost becomes like a deconstruction of itself, mm. and it leans much heavier into the dark ghost in the shell type of hard sci-fi, mm. um, and t- type of cyberpunk, yeah. I-, I meant to say. Um, you know, it, it it becomes a lot more reflective at that point, but the stuff that we're covering early on is, uh, you know, is still lighthearted. Mm. Um, so, uh, because of this media mixed release, uh, there are two timelines that the franchise <laughs> encompasses. Um, and thankfully, the Blu-ray that I have actually, unlike many Blu-rays, class like clarifies what the timelines are supposed to be. Mm. Um, so the movie timeline uh, that we are, you know, diving into today mm-hmm. consists of this original OVA series, uh, Pat Labor the Movie, uh, Pat Labor 3, which takes place... Um, before 
Pat Labor 2, which is the, <laughs> the second movie. Okay. Uh, so it's it's the OVA series and the three movies, and the television timeline, which is the television series, the main anime, um, and then a later sequel anime series called The New Files. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's plenty of, uh, you know, inroads to take if you want to get into this franchise, depending on what suits your tastes. Um, Pat Labor remains a popular, albeit kind of dormant, franchise in Japan. Uh, it, it's considered a classic. I think it still has plenty of fans. Mm. Um, it just hasn't gotten any new material in That's a while. That's a lot of Good Smile merch. Just saying that now. It does. Mm, I've good, seen good some of those mechs, and they're, <laughs> they're kind of pretty, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I scooped one, uh, when you sent it along. And you didn't tell. <laughs> Um, you know, so, yeah, so again, it's, it still receives love in that capacity, um, but it only has, like, a small cult cult following in the United States and in other English-speaking countries, Mm. um, the animated series, like, the, the original anime series and the features have been dubbed multiple times, uh, you know, so you get the sense that the rights have kind of been juggled a lot, um, and the manga series, like, the English version of it was discontinued after only two volumes. Mm. Um, so, you know, probably just for investment reasons, it never, it never took off here, Mm. but it, you know, it was shown enough that, that people, you know, remember it fondly. Again, small cult following, um, you know, it just didn't seem to have the staying power that other giant robot series did have here. (laughs) Um, but again, even in Japan, it seems to be kind of, like, taking a break at the moment. The last update that the series received was a ten-minute short titled Pat Labor Reboot, which was, like, a proof-of-concept little short film that premiered at the 2016 Japan Animator Expo, and that has propagated rumors that at some point, you know, the series... It's due for a new installment Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of anime that, that, you know gets rebooted or, you know, receives a continuation, Pat Labor, you would think, is somewhere on that bench at the moment, Mm. ready for that. Um, Especially with with how far, you know, animation has come in terms of what they can do with, like, 3D mech series (laughs) and things like that. Like, you know, never say never, but at the moment, I don't think there's anything concrete um, to, 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 you know, signal when the series is going to continue. Mm -hmm. So why this series? (laughs) Well, uh, last year, I started looking into different cyberpunk series <laughs> in order to tie into the then-upcoming Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. Um, that was in September, <laughs> and I started our first post-Pirates escapade uh, with Ghost in the Shell. Yes. I designed that uh, glitchy raccoon artwork with the intent uh, of, of starting a, a series of, of uh, cyberpunk things. And obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> Uh, cyberpunk was delayed until November, uh, and ended up being so gooberish that, we, we, I don't know how much we can tie into it, but, uh, in that stretch of time, I started researching other, you know, things that would fall into the cyberpunk genre that would be good fits for this podcast, and Pat Labor was there. There Mm. are plenty of, uh, YouTube videos talking about Pat Labor as kind of like a forgotten or underdog <laughs> cyberpunk anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of is. It, it, it doesn't, again, it doesn't get the attention that, you know, other series have. It's obviously not had the cultural impact of, like, Ghost in the Shell. Um, you know, and you could you could chalk up a lot of reasons for that. It could be the 
the tone shifts, the, you know, the resemblance to other, you know, mecha anime series that have, you know, managed to get out first, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of deep dives into it on YouTube if you want to kind of get a taste for it to see if, you know, anyone listening out there would like to watch it. Um, so I, you know, scooped this Blu-ray set. It didn't come until, like, uh, like last month. So see, it worked out, Dan. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Cyberpunk got delayed, so Pat Labor could get delayed. Yeah, Damn it, no. I said Pat Labor. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a constant, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, it, it uh, I was, I was watching it, and I have found it oddly charming so far. Hmm. Like, I, this Did is, you find it pleasing? I, I found it pleasing. Hmm. Um, what? but they, you know, it, this is one of those series where I wouldn't say that I have a huge investment into it if I watch it with you today and you know, we could deem it a mistake. I don't know. This is, I, this is, this is... When uh, do we ever, Dan? You know, uh, well, it's right there in the title of the... Yeah, so, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but, but again, from what I've seen thus far, I find it very charming. Mm. Uh, I find it very... And I'm I'm gonna date myself. I mean, I found it very very reminiscent of like cheesy action shows from the '80s. Hmm. Um, when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of reruns of things like Knight Rider and hmm. and you know other shows where it was like goofy '80s people in like a, a mildly sci-fi setting who yeah. were fighting crime. That's why I watched Murder She Wrote, Dan. Yes, <laughs> Ange- you know. Angelica Fletcher is the same. Jessica Fletcher, sorry. You know, and there was definitely like a like a you know uh, um, an outbreak of those shows in like the eighties and nineties, and this calls to mind one of those mm. where like they, you know, the shows that like didn't have the budget to go hard on sci-fi stuff, mm-hmm. so a lot of it came down to like character drama and things like that. But mm. then with like five minutes of sci-fi stuff thrown in. Mm. Um, but also, in kind of an interesting comparison, there's a lot of similarities between this, you know, what I saw of the OVA series, um, well, no, I saw, I saw the whole OVA series, but, you know, of this slice of the franchise, um, to the Police Academy movies, hmm. um, and to the point where several characters, like, match those same character types from those Police Academy mm-hmm. movies, um, you know, like, you have, like, a the, the over-the-top alpha male, you have the big gentle giant, you have the slacker who is, like, above everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you have, like, the ditzy commander who might be better than they let on, um, you have, like, a more enthusiastic secondary protagonist or, or you know, deuteragonist, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and it... It really, it like, it just, I was, like, sitting there, like, this This reminds me a lot of Police Academy. And I didn't bother to look into which <laughs> came first, um, because I am a hack. But, uh, you know, it, I think it, it's just very much, there's a lot of 80s vibes here. Mm. And I, I would assume that this is not, you know, that, that Police Academy and Pat Labor are not the only shows of that era to mix that kind of cast. Mm-hmm. But... Especially considering that this is like a future police force, the comparison was was pretty, you know, stark in my mind. It's, yeah. it's just like, uh, but again, it, it it kind of appealed to the simpler, like, 
I don't know. The over boy the, in you. Yeah, over over the top, <laughs> over the top personalities fighting goofy criminals mm-hmm. with you know a piece of technology that is kind of beyond them sometimes. Yeah. Um, so uh, for today's episode, uh, the OV, the original OVA series was seven episodes. I have chosen four mm-hmm. today. Um, you know that I think present a pretty good vertical slice of the show's different tones and the different genres that it dips into. Um, although one episode, which is kind of a joke episode, I picked for a much more obvious reason that will become apparent when we watch it, um, you know, that I think kind of represents, like, a good, uh, you know, a good showcase of what this, this OVA series brought to the table. Again, as the series would go on, the tones are gonna shift, the, the context might shift, but, uh, I picked my faves from this batch. As you should. Um, so, finally, dubs versus subs. Uh, this is frequently a point of controversy, especially for Pat Labor, um, because a lot of people do not like the dub version. Um, but we will be watching it, uh, because it has Dan Green in it. So, uh... That's reason enough. Um, and, and I'm purely doing this because, in my opinion, um, it adds to the charm, like, you know... The, the main complaint with the, the English dub, or this most recent English dub, more likely, is that it sounds very lazy for mm. the main cast. Like, the, the main cast kind of approach it in a very, like, their lines are very flippant mm. and sarcastic sometimes. And, again, it's very much a your mileage may vary thing. If you, if you watch it and you, you don't like that, you know, you find it kind of, like, mocking or something... Mm-hmm. By all means, go for subbed, but the case could be made that with these characters being lovable losers who were like, you know, don't care about their jobs necessarily, that kind of voice work adds to it. Mm. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, is that's like the reason it, why I watch most dubs anyway. They're they're yeah. like, it, it, you know, um, obviously a a kind of off voice cast could hinder a series but i think for this set of characters them coming off as like lazy goofballs is mm. you know endearing yeah yeah so that that's why we're going with dub for today yeah uh in the future if you know as we cover more pat labor stuff that might not always be the case mm. um but uh for this showcase i wanted to go that direction hmm. So any previewing expectations? Well, surprisingly, this is one of the anime that I'm not familiar with at all. So it's going to be a joy to see if I recognize anything from this series. Just from, like, you know, entering the zeitgeist of anime Mm -hmm. in the first place. Um, I'm excited that you're excited and that it's from the 80s. That usually sets me up for, you know, joy in the Mm -hmm. end of things. Um, I'm just happy, Dan. I I enjoy this. And I I like that our theme is comfort because uh, a certain pick next will be devolving around comfort. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, I believe we should uh, hop into our labors and go solve a, a gas station robbery. It's better than mine. I was going to say, I'm going into labor. <laughs> and the Damn it, that would have been better. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Raccoons? <laughs>
And we are back. Uh, we just got through watching four episodes of the original OVA series of Pat Labor, mm. otherwise known as Pat Labor the Early Days, depending on which wiki you're checking. Um, any initial thoughts? Well, the theme song is going to be stuck in my head for a good long while, yeah. Dan, and I think you knew what you were planning with that one. I can't stop humming it. Um, other than that, I think it was good. It had a lot more intrigue than I thought this uh, zany robot anime series was going to have. And, yeah. And I could see how it's going to take a darker turn, because that's basically where like we ended off, right? It's like, oh, it's a little bit more gritty now. Yeah, well, and the tone shift doesn't... um happen there necessarily I mean, like, it happens much later but yeah i could see how it could happen yeah I, I think the for the most part the anime series keeps like a more light-hearted tone mm. um as do like the first two movies but then it you know it's always like an ever-present fact that considering the subject matter that mm. they can go into these darker intrigue angles with it um but would you say you've enjoyed it? Oh, yeah. I enjoyed okay. it. Yeah. I love a giant fighting mech. I think the characters really make it, too, and how it's not about the mechs. It's yeah. about the people driving the mechs, which is totally interesting. Yeah. And it, I enjoy it. You know, and it, I tried to pick a mix that would showcase that. Um, I mean, for clarification, we watched episodes two, three, five, and six. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the reason I skipped episode one is because it's a very, very by-the-books introduction episode. Uh, they fight like a hijacked construction labor, um, which, you know, I do recommend people check out. It's like a cool tripod, uh, like, you know, I think like a welding labor. Um, but, you know, the main crux of the episode, jokingly, is that they're stuck in traffic for 90% of it, so mm. they, they can't, like, do a whole lot. Uh, because, again, as I said, this really gets into, like, the hard sci-fi these are complicated machines they can't travel long distances they can't without crawl it. yeah they they can't duck <laughs> jump or, fly they're not acrobatic <laughs> can't do much um you know so uh that one i just because i figured episode two showcases everyone well enough uh, you know there's not any building plot arc at that point um and we also skipped episode four, mm -hmm. which, uh, kind of similar to episode three, starts out as, like, a goofy, we're gonna try to solve a mystery episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also, it's also very, uh, for reasons that will become apparent, I chose episode three for its plot. Oh. Um, I wonder why, Dan. I'm sure we'll talk about that, because that was definitely my favorite of the bunch. <laughs> yes, um, but, but episode four it takes is like similar like a piss take with like a Scooby-Doo, oh. we're gonna solve a haunted house mystery that actually, it, it talks about like gun violence and stuff, um, but I figured if I was going to include one goofy episode, then it, it would be the, It would have to know, be that one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then we also skipped episode seven, which... I'm assuming, you know, was going to kind of be the send-off for this show, um, or this oh, this original OVA stretch, because the animation gets a little bit better for Seven, um, but it is also, like, a kind of a more by-the-books, the the SV2 is in charge of, like, uh, stopping this runaway labor that a guy has unwittingly hijacked, um, you know, there's, I think, that episode is one of the few ones, well, one of the only ones in this OVA stretch that actually has two labors fighting. Mm. Um, and obviously the weight of that is shown, because they're not good at that. Um, but, uh, yeah, but again, I picked these four because I figured decent enough showcase. 
Uh, so we will start with episode two, Long Shot. What's the American saying? <laughs> long Shot. Oh. <laughs> a bee in your bonnet. As um. Um, so uh, we open this episode with a, a fantasy sequence, actually, where Noah is dreaming that, uh, you know, she kind of walks into the hangar and her uh, her Alphonse, her, her Pat her Labor unit, <laughs> has been... Uh, reconstructed into a giant Gundam-esque, mm-hmm. uh, like, full-size giant robot mm-hmm. uh, with a flight system and a jetpack and rocket boosters um, and much more shiny, uh, you know, yeah, outer like, chassis. This was my first introduction. I was like, oh, do all the mechs look like this? No. <laughs> but they don't. And I was like, oh, okay, I get this then. Yeah, they're, they're, very, they're very practical in reality, yeah. but uh, the dream... Kinda, you know, it turns into a nightmare when she can't get Alphonse to fly out <laughs> of the hangar. Everyone. Yeah, and he just crashes right back down and, and, and crushes uh, her, her many friends. Oh uh, but she wakes up and, and realizes that it was only a dream. Mm. Um, because as uh, Shimamura states in the next scene, uh, they are at least a decade away <laughs> from getting flying labors in any capacity. Um, but the main plot is that the mayor of New York... Who I looked up... Ed Koch at the time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank. Okay, good. I mean, still, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, the not, be- yeah, not, not, no. not the best New York mayor, but we've had worse. Yes. Uh, so we were we were worried about the time frame there, but because uh, if Giuliani would have hopped on over there, I would have been. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, we don't see anime Koch or Jewel like they're never shown. Yeah. Uh, luckily, um, yeah. but uh, the main crux is that the mayor of New York is coming to, and again in, <laughs> to the sister city of Tokyo. You know, in the in the alternate future of 1998 it might not have even been um but uh, the mayor of new york is coming to tokyo to inspect the babylon project which is a long-term like landfill project meant to reclaim tokyo bay and i i think convert it into like real estate land mm. um you know obviously a very intrusive thing but this is cyberpunk obviously so they're focusing on expanding you know land to sell mm. uh so you know all of the, like the entire Tokyo police force um, is assigned in some capacity to protect the mayor, and this does include the the lovable losers at the SV2. Uh, to help them, uh, the New York police oh, force. Oh, Dan, I have an update. So I looked up the uh-huh. 1988 when this series premiere uh-huh. would be a catch, but do you know who was mayor in 1998? No, Giuliani. Oh, <laughs> so in the dark future, it would Damn be it. true, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please understand. I had to know. Well, we don't see him in anime form, so luckily, you know. There were no skeletons present. No. <laughs> um, outside of the uh, the dildo shop and garden center, whatever the fuck it was. Uh, but he, um, but yeah, so uh, to help them or at least organize this security effort, uh, the New York police force has sent Kanuka Clancy, a Japanese-American woman who immediately causes suspicion oh. uh, amongst the SV2. Can you guess my fave character? Uh, it's, yeah. it's the woman in the Pat Leber series. They're just all... She's great because she comes in, she's speaking Japanese, and like, yeah, she speaks Japanese! And then she switches over to English. Yeah, English! <laughs> we love you! Yeah, and you know, she, you know, equal parts suspicion and like, you know, the, 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 the dudes are into her. Yeah, um... <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah, so she's kind of center of attention, mm-hmm. um, and by all indication, the SV2's mission is mainly for show. Um, they, uh, I think, uh, Noah and, um, 
I, I, I always forget how to pronounce his name. I apologize. Mm. I gotta make sure. There are a lot of characters in this, too. So I was, like, always worried about doing that, too, and forgetting their names. Oh, Shinohara. Yep. Dan Green. Um, <laughs> Noah and Shinohara are, like, uh, you know, basically standing guard over an empty stretch of the city. Uh, or, I mean, empty of traffic yeah. because it's been set aside. The Central Park area. Yeah, for, like, police use only. Because mm-hmm. it's, I think, in proximity to where the the mayor will be visiting um so uh you know shinohara leaves to take a bathroom break and a suspicious old lady confronts him uh in very new jersey fashion uh asking why the eyesore of a of a police trailer is still parked in the middle of this like park area um you know uh what are you doing can't you do anything you're the cops you can't move it <laughs> you know and then shinohara is like no if if they if they set up a mobile command center or like a a radar trailer there's nothing like i can do about yeah. it so you just have to live with it so. i mean i want to dissect this lady's plan a little bit later on but i think this was very like she was clearly wanting to get caught because what was she yeah. gonna do pull out a gun and shoot it or whatever i don't know yeah i i don't uh i <laughs> doesn't I, make we, sense no it, it doesn't make sense unless you're I, a very competent actor yeah it, only I, a slight few can pull that off i think in terms of this of this terrorist plot it was like they were I, because I know that there was another hiding in plain fake, sight. Yeah, that's the, the, but that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it's no, an anime, and we shouldn't be. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, but no, I mean, if we're gonna, you know, if any holes are to be poked, yeah. it was. I would assume it was because there was a fake bomb in another area, mm-hmm. and then like by drawing attention to that trailer, you know, because I think they assumed they would put it to that, the back of their mind. Yeah, yeah, they they assumed that Shinohara and Noah were the ones who would be stuck in that area mm-hmm. either way. So if they got them to dismiss the trailer from the get go, they wouldn't like worry about it. Yeah, um, I don't know, but I you know uh, this is clearly the work of Beach House, <laughs> um, the uh, environmental terrorists, yeah. terrorists who are opposing the Babylon Project. And mm-hmm. this is not the last time that they show up. They seem to be recurring antagonists. Yeah. Uh, they they return in episode seven. Too. And that Babylon Project to just build walls higher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that way, you know. Well, like, yeah. And again, it's it's where we get the very mild cyberpunk shades. Yeah. Um, because the technology is is very much a mix. They, they still have, like, a steam engine. The pay phones are all, like, still yeah. just regular phones. They're using cable. Yeah. <laughs> They're using cable. They're, you know, the car phones are a big deal, but they still have cords on yeah. them and everything. And it's... But then we get, you know, instances with the labors and with this Babylon project where you see more of, like, you know... Mm giant metal monoliths yeah. that are cyberpunkish. Yeah. Well, it's a good it's a good bridge between them, I think. Yeah. Um so uh eventually, you know, uh, the day of the mayor's arrival, <laughs> you know, is there. He's having a luncheon, Dan. Yes, the yeah, the big luncheon. <laughs> mayor Jonathan can't be interrupted. All, all the media is focused on this <laughs> so they can't it's interfere wood. it. Um and the SV2 and their labors are kind of set up in front of one of these buildings because it's good for photos. Well, they had that whole character building scene where they're sleeping together. Yeah. First. Oh, yeah, because... I was like, oh, okay, this is endearing. A bunch of dudes sleeping together in a room together. Yeah, because uh, I think it was because the SV1 gets to stay at, like, the fancy hotel yeah. with the mayor, but Because then... they got the patrol outside. Yeah, but... They get not the good digs. Yeah, they get, like, the motel yeah. where it's, like, uh, you know, like a airport bathroom yeah. sized room yeah. <laughs> and uh and then like uh 
Godot was like, hey, can you buy me some socks? One of the eight packs. <laughs> or, uh, the so, convenience store. <laughs> when we go to Japan, we need to see if this is a real reality. <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, so it, it's it's cute. They they again they don't they're the B team. They don't get like yeah. the quality, but they're stuff. endearing. Yeah. Like I don't know their names yet, but I know their character traits. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm learning. Um, you know, uh, but then the next day they're kind of lined up in front of uh, you know, I the think op- building yeah. and yeah, an optimal yeah. Uh, photo op spot. Yeah. Um, and while he's musing over how useless this is. Uh, Shinohara kind of is like, you know, uh, why are we even doing this if you guys have command center trailers set up all over the place? Command center? I never said anything about a command center. We don't have any of those. <laughs> Whoa. And the, well, yeah, no, it literally is like, Whoa. like Shinohara's <laughs> like, wait a minute. And uh, him and uh, Noah head off to oh, go this trailer the where best your favorite part of the scene. Episode. Explain. Help! It's a small bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't go over under it. Yeah, Yet I go to Dan. Can it crawl? Dan. No, they can't crawl. <laughs> no, but that's like a legit. It's like it, it takes like a. It's like a five minute stretch where uh because noah in her and alphonse can't cross over this little freeway overpass because... <laughs> they call down the neighboring blimp <laughs> because again they're 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 you know they're the the kind of the cumbersome nature of these yeah. labors is is emphasized like they can't oh, it takes some labor to get them places yeah they they can't crouch or like <laughs> crawl under things or jump like they're just like you know well, she could have just went right through that bridge if it was about protecting the mayor's safety they but, ruined a blimp that probably did more damage to the city if we're talking about things well yeah but they you know i'm assuming that because in real you know if they broke the freeway then that would be more insurance problems yeah. for the the unit or something yeah but this guy in the blimp mvp of the episode he i don't care if it sacrifices my job i'm gonna do it anyway yeah they they call in a uh a passing like police blimp and uh the enthusiastic pilot uh is you know very much wants to help so he gives like uh alphonse and noah a little lift a boost over the bridge over the five foot bridge and drops them i think before the blimp starts crashing uh but noah is over the the overpass and um they uh, head to this trailer uh, where noah tears away the outer casing of this trailer and it uh you know it's it's a rocket launcher. It, it's aimed it's got directly. Got the paper punching technology. Yeah, yeah, it's got like the yeah the, the ticker 80s, tape. <laughs> yeah ticker tape coding thing. Um, but that is just a decoy. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Kanuka has experience in disarming bombs. Oh my god! And she's like plowing through the citizens of Japan to get there. Yeah, they mount the curb. Yeah. So while talking to uh, what's his face on the phone, trying to disarm it. Yeah, and they're they're she like, goes, Noah, be careful! Just take off the edge. Got it. <laughs> Peels off the edge of the car. Well, the yeah, truck. um, because if they there's some kind of like uh, gyroscope thing inside the trailer, so if it's tilted or aimed like away, a 3DS. they'll yeah. Well, yeah, the revolutionary <laughs> <laughs> that let you use your upside down squid. <laughs> I can evolve this squid. How? <laughs> but uh, the um. Yeah, so uh, if they can't move the trailer or redirect it because that will presumably cause it to, to, to go off. Yeah. And it, again, it's aimed directly at the but dive But rip building. it off the sides is okay, Dan. But, but all, you know, as Kanuka says, all of the complicated machinery on the inside it's in is... in one panel on the bottom. Yeah, is, it's, it's, it's for show. And yeah. the, the real fuse or whatever is on the underside of the, the trailer. 
Um, so uh, Shinohara goes under there to start doing the classic bomb clipping. Yeah, the die hard you scene. Know, whatever. Uh, which wires do I got? You know, and. and <laughs> Uh, he he successfully does it. Yeah, but it winds up in that whole confrontation, like, would you cut the red or the blue? And, like, clearly I would cut the red. But would the other person think that I would cut the red? <laughs> yeah, and that's the... And it's an interesting version of that trope, because Why usually... not dye both wires red? Well, it, it wasn't... It was just a fool whoever is doing it. Yeah, no, I know, but, the... but if you had the time and effort, why not make all the wires the same color? Well, that's confusing for you. <laughs> what if you have to fix the it? The bomb is built. Just spray paint everything. Uh, who's paying for the <laughs> spray paint? <laughs> Listen, I haven't we- read the Anarchist Bible, but... <laughs> um, You know, so... Yeah, it comes down to the final cut the red wire or the blue wire. Uh, Shinohara is understandably panicked, but uh, Kanuka intervenes and yeah. clips the red one, I believe. Yeah, 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 kind of obsessed with her character, too. Like, I kind of stand her. <laughs> and the other, like, the female who's, like, the deputy that's oh, always yeah. there. Oh, uh, yeah, well... It's like, Shi... Here, I got it. Um, um, Shinobu. Yes, yeah. Shinobu is Nagamu. again just to, to restate. She is the commander of yeah. Division One, yeah. but she kind of affectionately hangs out with yeah. Unit Two, yeah. Um, because I think what the complex that they're using is like a common place for all for of both, the SV yeah. teams. So you know, she she hangs around and Does sort of thing. gets a romantic arc with uh, with Goto. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's cool too. Yeah. Uh, so, also, this thing wouldn't take place in ten minutes that they have to defuse the bomb. Just saying. No way. No, no way. No. Um, but they're like, uh, you know, they successfully defuse it. The The mayor's visit is saved. The, lun- the luncheon can continue with no... <laughs> the McDonald's luncheon can continue. <laughs> with no media uh, <laughs> frenzy. And, um... Well, yeah, they they have trademark-friendly McDonald's <laughs> earlier in the yeah. episode. They got... I guess it's a W instead yeah. of an M. Um, but they, uh... You know, the day is saved... This strange uh, beach house lady is not apprehended, um, and there's, like, this little discussion that if Shinohara had actually bothered to check the the week's, like, wanted posters, he would have recognized her, but he, again, at this point, he didn't want to, like, yeah. he still doesn't want to be a member of this unit, mm. um, but uh, they learn that Kanuka will be joining the uh, the group for at least a year. <laughs> for your study program. Yeah, um, you know, just to, to take, I guess, labor information back to America. Um, but, and, and obviously that prompts Shinohara to, to, you know, oh, I'm not quitting anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, he's... I think it was a fine episode. Yeah. yeah I like this. It was fun. Yeah. Should we move on to the next one? Oh, can we... This was the the piece of, like, the cherry on the cake. (laughs) I had a theory, and then as the episode progressed, I went, hmm, I know why Dan chose this one. It took me a while, but I pieced it together. Yeah. Um, So we come to episode three, the 450 million year old trap. Oh, and can I say my joke? Yes. We begin in the Pat Harbor. (laughs) Oh. I think that's the wittiest I've ever gotten on this podcast. So. Um. Dan is trying to make out with me in the car and goes to get a Sony pop and then leaves his car. Yeah. And then, but Jonathan's fine. Yeah. Just, yeah I'm unconscious and can't reveal why. You, you're just shook on the beach. 
<laughs> I, I put down in my notes, this lady is dead because it opens, these two are like on a date and this dude goes off to get a soda pop and then this woman and the car are dragged into the bay by an unseen force. Yes. Um, and then I was like, oh, she's clearly dead. But later in the episode, it's like, oh, she's fine. She was just unconscious and too shook to say anything about it. And I'm assuming, like, I don't know if that was a, I, I doubt it was a dub change because they don't censor any like much else in mm. this i don't know if that was a, i think it was just probably just to establish the monster yeah like you know something she saw something that was so <laughs> scary that you know it was too spooky she she just couldn't she just couldn't stand it yeah. um which is is a classic trope but we don't know because the car is like crushed at the bottom yeah. of the sea so. and how did she survive that i don't <laughs> um but it could also be that the monster doesn't kill living things. Well, maybe. I think it's a comedy episode, Dad. It, well, it is, but it's <laughs> canon. Oh, <laughs> it is oh, canon to the canon. rest of the show. So, um, so you know, this this uh, this incident with this couple's car being destroyed is one of several, um, you know, incidents that have occurred recently in Tokyo Bay, mm. uh, including a, a damaged undersea cable. Um, and the disappearance of lots of fish. Uh, which I said, wouldn't that be the 2021 problem where tomorrow we wake up and they go, no more fish, guys. They're all dead. We can't find any. We've it's, gotten rid of them all. No more fish. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what I'm expecting. I, yes. We're waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> weren't the bees on the verge of a comeback finally? Well, and... we got those murder bees. <laughs> well, yeah, we got the murder. Yeah. And then they came back again. <laughs> everything's balanced so <laughs> um so uh you know with all of this going on they uh you know there, there there's rumblings that it could be a sea monster uh detective matsui of the metropolitan tokyo police department asks captain goto for help uh shige and sasaki are you know they help pilot this remote uh, submersible labor yeah. uh, into the bay to search for what's causing the incidents they find the car um, and then as they're searching one of these huge construction trenches underneath Tokyo Bay, mm -hmm. uh, the labor is destroyed, but they don't see what destroys it. Yeah. Um, well, Shige think yeah, he immediately jumps to, it was a, it was a monster. Like I know yeah. before the cable cut out. And there's some a... iconic off-model shots where I was like, are they in the sub? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. I was I was like, that's a really big sub if they're in the sub. And I constantly thought that until the sub was destroyed. I was like, oh, they were somewhere else remote controlling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Shige was the only one who could do that. So they <laughs> leaned towards camera, to... become incredibly off model. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I guess they, I, I loved it. I feel like they were trying to do like a fisheye yeah, yeah, lens. Yeah, no, it's but... obviously a fisheye lens. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but it's like <laughs> one guy's regular <laughs> size, the other one's head is just like. <laughs> Again, you know, it's... It was a different time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the team is, is kind of joking around and discussing what it could be. Uh, Kanuka wants to take a very scientific approach to it. She thinks it might be a whale or some other undersea <laughs> creature. <laughs> it's a whale, clearly. But she doesn't want to jump to any dramatic conclusions. Uh, Shige is dead set on it being a monster, so he mysteriously orders a case of dry ice. What are you gonna do? Be an ice cream man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the burn you dish out on me when I, Oh like, my <laughs> god. And then another burn. We don't have handcuffs that big. <laughs> I... This was the best episode. So they're they're chilling, having lunch when uh, an eye patch doctor who is a, a parody. <laughs> oh, 
of, of Dr. Harada. Yeah, uh, he, he is a parody of Sarazawa yes. from the original Godzilla And movie. if I hadn't watched the original Godzilla before, I wouldn't have known any of these things, it, but it's just a direct parody. It paid off, yeah. see? Uh, you know... Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and this was on the rewatch, there's, like, details that I didn't notice, like, his eye patch is fake. It's fake, and he pulls it off. Like, he gets annoyed, so he takes it off to use the microscope properly, because it's, you know, so yeah. it's I, shit that I didn't notice the first time I watched. Um, but he kind of takes uh, a few of them back to his lab, where he explains that, uh, I, I think they were, they called it the... The Pangea Spermia yeah. theory, where Kanuka is giving some side eyes, <laughs> like the experiments. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this guy doing over here? But uh, the the doctor <laughs> was determined to prove that some kind of extra extraterrestrial virus or bacteria, yeah. you know, the basis for Deoxys or whatever, could have mm-hmm. created life on Earth. And uh, to that end, he experimented on some, like, bacteria that he found in a, in a meteorite yeah. um, and had pretty much accelerated this life form's evolution through all of the evolutionary stages mm. um, until finally uh, it started to become reptilian and he ditched it in the Tokyo Bay yeah. out of fear. He just threw it in the bay, Dan. Yeah. yeah, he just threw it in the bay. What kind of... That's not getting rid of it. <laughs> you know, I... I, I just because you throw a body in the bay doesn't mean that it's gone. Well, yeah, living in New Jersey, we know yeah. that, but uh, not everyone knows that. Um, and he assumes that the further pollution in the bay, a la Hedora, yeah. um, you know, would have, uh, you know, accelerated these mutations and caused it to evolve further. Mm. And inevitably if the creature is evolving that fast it will be able to produce eggs and keep multiplying <laughs> oh, yeah. and presumably overtake the earth and and humankind will go and extinct this guy who does the dr harada voice is like so over the top that it's like camp yeah. and i enjoy it so much oh yeah yeah, that, yeah. this is like the role i was born to play <laughs> and and what's what's interesting is is that this a lot of this background for the this monster is 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 in Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Because in Shin Godzilla, they, they made Godzilla a, like, an aquatic life form mm. that had mutated in the Tokyo Bay. The Wiggle Bay. Beast, yeah. Yeah, and mm. then they, they uh, the doctor who discovered it was, like, terrified at how fast it was evolving. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obvious, obviously this is, you know, it just, it ended up bearing resemblance. some resemblance to that. Um, but, uh... So they, the, the SV2 are dispatched to kill the monster. They're just going to shoot it dead. And well, yeah, because they're they're they with a do, giant mech gun. Yeah, they they the uh, get me the bullets. The, the riot gun, <laughs> which is literally just a shotgun for the labor to hold. <clears throat> so, but they do do a parody of like the uh, the JDSF mobilization parts of the Godzilla movies, where mm-hmm. they get like a parade with yeah. triumphant music Workers, as yeah. they're like you know heading out mm-hmm. um but they're mostly just hanging out at the bay at the harbor and um the monster almost briefly emerges but doesn't make mm-hmm. an appearance and, and they go through three subsequent plans yeah. <laughs> they go through the high voltage current plan where they're going to electrocute the the voltage of the the rivers because it's going to lay eggs like a salmon yeah they go no that's not a good idea the high frequency sound wave plan because insects are drawn to frequency but this inspires more egg laying and reptilian aquatic creatures yes 
and then the tearful persuasion plan, <laughs> yeah. which is me begging Dan for anything. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, Noah proposes that they yeah. try to reason with it with the father figure there. Yeah, but what if he turns against me and hates its ungodly body? <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, the doctor's like, you know, I don't want to make a hateful monster. It will it will rampage. Oh. Yeah, so they reject these three. Like plans. this was the best episode. I was like, I'm into this. Like, where yeah. is this anime series that parodies things? Maybe this will be. In a subsequent three weeks, three week watch that I'll pick an anime series that's kind of adjacent to parodying. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Um, you know, so they 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 go through these three ideas. N- none of them are are utilized. Um, and then I think uh, the the monster finally emerges. Uh, well, no, first oh. the oxygen oxygen destroyer oh, goes off. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Where it's like. What is that dry ice gonna do in that canister? Yeah, so Shige is <laughs> is out on a speedboat and he is dressed as Doctor Sewazawa from from the finale of Godzilla and uh, is, is is holding an oxygen destroyer. Let me do know, it. <laughs> but you know, it it is uh, it is literally just a canister filled with dry ice that looks like the oxygen destroyer, so it doesn't. It's not going to it's actually. Do, but it causes <laughs> a huge explosion apparently. Um, and and Sakaki tries to stop him. Because, you know, it's stupid, but the, the canister falls in and seemingly annoys the monster enough <laughs> to cause it to surface. Um, you know, the, the 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 team is on standby. I think uh, <laughs> Oda tries to use the riot gun, but it doesn't work. No. Um, and finally, what, what ends up saving the day is uh, that... Uh, Best boy. Yeah, I... <laughs> who we don't know his name of. <laughs> Give us a moment. Uh, Yamazaki. Best the, boy. The towering yeah, gentle giant. Yeah, he's the silent, like, bara type of the group. He comes forward, and oh. uh, the, the monster has a very similar design to him. The fact uh, that he's just running down this dock, like, yeah. <gasps> stares up at it. And as, as Shinomura is narrating, the two of them must have shared some kind of kindred connection <laughs> in that moment. And uh, after exchanging soulful looks... The monster departs peacefully into the sea uh, and leaves Tokyo yeah, and Bay. It's like, I wish more would have happened, but it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we didn't even get to name it, so <laughs> that's it. And, and, and it's it canon. Yeah, it's canon, so I. <laughs> it ends. Yeah, the episode sure. ends there. Um, but yeah, no, this pro- probably my fave as well. Yeah. Um, but moving from comedy into <laughs> what... serious turn... Well, yeah, and in, in, into what this show could attempt, at, you know, as as a serious turn um, is episode five, uh, the SV2's longest day, part one. Mm. Uh, the in the criminal justice system, Dan. <laughs> giant robots are destroying everything. So this is their story. Boom boom. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart would be ashamed. <laughs> it's a furry. <laughs> I Where's can't I stop take? stacking these boxes enough to give you oh, an interview. Oh, um, dream roll, Dan. I'm working at this pizza restaurant. I gotta fold these boxes. Oh, I knew him. <laughs> he would have murdered someone. God. Uh, or at least let me play a body. <laughs> yeah, right? that, yeah, that's the other dream. Other dream. <laughs> uh, it's that, no, that would be the... Yeah. That's the most likely if they have to go into New Jersey, then yeah. it would be like... They hire me? Well, I don't have time buddy. to stop making these pizzas. I gotta, you know, <laughs> what, Johnny's dead? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, he had well we coming. got plenty of dough here, <laughs> I can tell you. So, you know... It, it, Who's gonna cover my shift? We want to write these things, but no one lets us, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, like, I think the winter holidays are approaching, <laughs> and most of the second unit are on vacation. And immediately, these episodes, they're, like, a little bit more bleak, a little bit more somber. Like, yeah. it starts off, and I respect it, like, that cool burn, grayscale. Like, vacation's not a fun time. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a time for inter- internal thought and introspection. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and I think th- that this whole contrast really plays up the cyberpunk atmosphere <laughs> a little bit more because it, every time you say that name, <laughs> well, yeah, I it's die a little inside. It's been it's been slandered, but like <laughs> <laughs> I played through that whole game, Dad, and for what? <laughs> the real cyberpunks for the friends we made along the way. I don't know. Sure. Um, <laughs> paint the skies red. <laughs> There's only two We're songs. <laughs> the radio only has three songs. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so again, a little more somber. Uh, Goto is still hanging around the SV2 base, um, seemingly because he has nowhere else to go. Uh, he's not like married. And he doesn't have any family, so he uh, is just hanging around. Yeah. And Shinobu was also there. I would assume because she's still in uniform, so I would assume she's the one in charge of the base mm-hmm. in the in the in the interim. Yeah. Or she's um, just getting caught up in her work. Yeah. Uh. So you know, a cute little moment where he's like, he's trying to be like dramatic, and he's yeah. like, "Well, I guess I don't have anywhere to go for the holidays," and he's like. Do you want to hang out here? Yeah. It's like, okay, just make some coffee. Who like, I, <laughs> I like these yeah. two together. Yeah. I'm like, I barely met them, but I'm like, oh, okay, I can see that happening. No, again, Godo, Godo is is probably my favorite yeah. of uh, like the episodes I picked. It's a very don't... Dan Jonathan relationship. Yeah, he <laughs> again, he gets a lot of like snappy one liners throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, I don't know what to compare. I don't know. I don't want to compare him to like again. Kakashi is probably mm-hmm. the best thing yeah. I could I could say. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Asuma Shinohara <laughs> decides to go and visit, you know, his father's factory. He kind of muscles his way past the guards in there, um, and he, uh, he meets his old friend, uh, Jitsuyama, who is the manager of the factory, um, and he's poking around. <laughs> he notices that, uh, his father's company is building, like, a prototype JDSDF labor, um, with 64 gigabyte shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the, the 80s. So <laughs> this, this was a big deal. <laughs> um, but uh, Asuma is, is quite disgusted by this because it's basically just a more efficient killing machine. Um, and, you know, Jitsuyama asks him, like, did you, did you bother to check in with your father? And he's like, yeah, but we started fighting almost instantly, <laughs> so I'm not going to be hanging around here for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he visits... Uh, Shinji, who is having, like, the vacation with his wife, uh, and the wife is very upset that, you know, some random third wheel is gonna be chillin', so, uh, Shirohara, like, gracefully excuses himself, and, uh, Shishi is like, you'll understand when you're buried someday, oh. you know, so, it's, that's his, that's his character trait. Yeah. Um... And again, also, also had a parallel in Police Academy. Yeah. Um, so... He, he goes to see Kanuka, and they have, like, their little... She almost, like, shoots him. Oh, exchange. my God. Like, this is a hold-up, holds out a rose. <laughs> shoots him through the fucking head. Like, yeah. He, like, he tries to be cute and, yeah. like, free, you know, yeah. and then holds up a rose, but she 
has a gun ready because she came Dad to the door. enters this house, we have the same interaction. <laughs> uh, you know, and then... And the, so, the very large couch that they're sitting on. And it's like, if Dan comes over here during a weekday, I'm, like, watching TV, taking notes, and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, but Kanoka won't be home for the whole yeah. break. I want to go see Grandma. Yeah, who lives somewhere else in Japan. No, she lives in Hawaii, doesn't she? Does she? Kanuka. She's from Hawaii. Oh, maybe, yeah. 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 Okay. That's why she's back. Come from America. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. That ma- no, it does make sense. Um. So, uh, he the only option left is Noah, uh, who he calls. Uh, she is currently visiting her parents in Hokkaido. Oh, the nagging dad. Yeah, her dad owns a liquor store. <laughs> why don't you ever get married? <laughs> uh, Noka down the street is getting married. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. I have Alphonse. <laughs> You can't drive That's the robots. One thing. Like, <laughs> Noah's voice actress, I could do that, Dan. Like, if I had the opportunity, I could yeah. give a, an equal performance to that. <laughs> Again, it depends if, if it, you think it adds Where to the charm I? or detracts no, from it. I, That's, I think it know. added. It's the first time I've seen it, though, and I haven't seen the, the subs. So. Um, so, uh, you know, so he has to, uh, Shinohara has to catch the train to get there. Um, you know, and it is a cute scene where, mm-hmm. like, I think Noah, you know, she she dismisses herself to go take a bath, and she's like, yeah. well, I, I do this because I really like robots, mm-hmm. but are there other reasons? Yeah. Question mark. And then, you know, the mom is like, there's a boy on the phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very, it's a wonderful life coming this Christmas. Yeah. I'm telling you, Dan. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so she invites uh, Shinohara up, who is kind of annoyed that she lives all the way in Hokkaido, uh, but he catches the train to get there. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back in Tokyo, a uh, police roadblock stops a truck. Um, and... With a mysterious shadowed man. Yeah. And... <laughs> all the villains in this show, shadowed. Yes. <laughs> Just draw some more shadow on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... The, uh, they're carrying, like, the truck is obviously carrying a laborer without a permit, and, A labor um, of love. You know, pretty much <laughs> with the, the jig being up, the, uh, the two unknown criminals force their way through this barricade and kind of plow through the other cars, you know, with their, their semi that they're driving. Yeah. And while they're escaping, in what I say is one of the best animated oh, well, moments. Oh, I, I put this... down, Dan said to mention the 80s flute solo, which yes, fills but... him with glee, and then he put down this animation, chef's kiss. Yeah, the this, <laughs> this military-grade labor emerges from the tarp on the back of the truck, and it's animated very fluidly. It comes out, the gun barrel extends to mm-hmm. the camera, and it starts firing, you know, at the pursuing police officers. It, you know, the explosion is animated well. The, the the kind of, like, the lines of action are all animated well. It's, it's again, they they obviously, they cut corners in some spots, but what they save the money for, they get to do little moments like this. Um, and I would assume most of that is present in these episodes because it is a rather dramatic, uh, you know, flare-up oh, yeah. for the series. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the police cars are destroyed, um, and, and it's, uh, you know, from what the audience can see, this is a J, uh, JGSDF <laughs> type of labor. It's mm-hmm. military. Um, so Asuma is waiting at a little noodle stand, um, for Noah to a meet him. Soba stand. Soba stand. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, a very distinguished man in his 40s enters the restaurant. <laughs> My favorite line in the plot synopsis you've included. <laughs> a distinguished man in his 40s enters, stage left. <laughs> uh, and he, he orders a, a bowl of cold, <laughs> cold noodles, noodles. Uh, but covers them in cayenne pepper. He then finishes the bowl quickly, uh, which is, as he says, is perfect for a warm day. Um, and he just gives Asuma this cold glare. Again, his, his face is... Uh, the, the kind of the, the shadowed grit on his face is very much showcased. Um, <laughs> Noah arrives to pick him up, and she takes him back to their parents' house. But Dan, didn't, like, this glance take you out of it for a second? Like, watching him <laughs> well, the first yeah. time, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it, it hangs on this dude's detailed face for... <laughs> A little bit. I thought it was, like, at the point of, like, parody. Like, is this comedic character we're going to meet in a second? But it's not. Well, again, I'm assuming it's because, so the audience is like, that guy. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't I don't know, you know, I'm assu- for later on, so they remember who it is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, um, they go back to, oh, wait, sorry. To uh, Noah's parents' house, yeah. Um, but... Back in Tokyo, Goto uh, comes to meet, uh... Hold on, I just want to make sure I'm not skipping anything. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got everything well, written down. Okay, well, yeah. well Noah and, and uh, Shinohara are chilling at Noah's parents' house. Again, the dad owns a liquor store, and the dad sees their banter and, and is like... And tries to outdrink each other. Maybe these two. Mm-hmm. And he like, I'll leave you two kids. No, no, well, you. no, he gives up. He's like, well, they're not gonna fuck. <laughs> and he walks out, right? Like... <laughs> That's what happens. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I don't, again. Uh, and we should note that, like, every off-screen mom is voiced by Delia Ketchum. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. Delia uh, Ketchum, or who was the other one? Ty's mom. Ty's mom. They're both here. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's here. Um, <laughs> it took uh, Sakurai a lot of work to do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so back in Tokyo, Goto has, like, a little... A meeting with Shinobu under the falling snow outside, like, mm-hmm. her house. No. Um, and he states that the real reason that he's been staying behind um, is... Oh, no, no, this is... I'm sorry. This is... Uh, they're still at the base at this point. Yeah. Um, and Goto, like, he's looking out the window with binoculars, and he explains to Shinobu that the real reason he's been staying behind is because some very suspicious men have been staking out the SD2 Two suits have been watching them, Dan. Yeah, and he, he says that the way that they carry themselves, they are clearly, like, trained people and not just... The mecha otaku who apparently usually stick out, like stake out the the base, which is a cute detail. Like yeah. it's people are a fan of giant robots; they will like chill out there to see them get maintenance or whatever. But this is these are clearly like an organized group of people. Um, so uh, you know, trying to get ahead of whatever is being plotted here, uh, Goto asks Sakaki to take one of the labors back to, like, the the main manufacturing plant that's at a separate location. And this being Alphonse, I assume? Uh, yes. Isn't Alphonse safe? That's what yeah. Noah says? Because I think Alphonse is SV1. Yeah. Or, I mean, no, not... He's... Uh, SV2. He's SV2 Unit 1, yeah. or whatever. So he's the main one. Um, but they, they, they ship Alphonse to this other factory. Um, you know, just... And he, Goto doesn't give anyone a straight answer about why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, just call it a hunch. Um, so they, they're taking off with him, uh, you know, but we see that several other, like, military trucks are heading back towards the main base. Um, 
so uh, this is when Goto goes to Shinobu outside her house. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a very unanimated scene. Yeah, just <laughs> the only thing being animated is the snow outside yeah. the car. And then, like, he's like, "Oh, there's this whole intrigue going on here, and whatever, blah 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 blah." And then she goes out, and he goes, "Look at the sky." <gasps> It's like falling down in parabolas. <laughs> Which is confusing because it was already snowing previously in the yeah. scene, and then it becomes rain, and then it turns back into snow. So, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, it was a different time. We're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Um, save that for the con. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, he, he the, the gist of it is, is that there's, you know, a something, coup. yeah, obviously some kind of military coup going on. Um, and Goto asks Shinobu to help, you know, thwart this plan even if it might mean going against like her superiors and shinobu is is very you know like well you guys have been in a, a pain in the ass anyway yeah. so i guess whatever mm-hmm. yeah we'll, we'll we have to make sure this doesn't happen but like more chemistry for them yeah mm, num, num, num. no uh, they, i mean they're they're well done yeah. interactions um the next day uh the j uh, the <laughs> jgsdf rebels invade tokyo uh, and they're in, like, the green uh, Zaku style. Yeah. Oh, good. No, good for noticing. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember, Dan. Um, <laughs> and uh, they take over the SV2, um, you know, the main warehouse in the outskirts of town. Um, but Goto has already shipped out the Pat Labors um, using, the like, the bay in the background. Like, they had shipped them out discreetly on boats down the river. Mm. Um, so, I, I, but I think there is still, like, the the defunct unit that they use for repairs and spare parts, everything is still there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so back at, uh, you know, in Tokyo itself, Shinobu and Division One, who have, you know, in the brief time we see the much fancier labors, uh, are in a standoff with the, you know, this sect of the JGSDF, who I, I believe are called the Decisive Action Unit. Like, mm-hmm. this specific group of rebels um, who are not affiliated with the rest of, you know, they're not... This isn't, like, a full-blown military coup. It's just this group of of military folks uh, <laughs> who have literally to take decisive action. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Shinobu kind of states that she will not, uh, you know, move until the, the, the siege is over. And uh, Noah and Asuma, you know, are watching on TV, and they decide to head back after yeah. uh, the news shows that the ringleader of this whole situation is uh, Kyutero Kai, who well, was the the big chinned man who uh, they like uh, Shinohara saw at the soba stand. And just some props for Shinobu. She's like, "I will not budge." Yeah. And then she's the cable people are like, "Attack her! Get her!" And she yeah. just punches him and walks away. Like, I'm gonna do what I want anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. um... Oh, no, that's the next episode. Oh, never yeah. mind. Never mind. At, at this point, she's still outside at the blob. No, but she's ah. standing her ground against yeah. the, the, the rebels. Yeah. Um, so, uh, apparently, this Kai, you know, we, we show, um... We flash to him in their, like, planning room, <laughs> and he's like, Oh, Goto's involved, is he? Mm, my old friend. Um, so, uh, we get a montage of the respective members of Division 2 starting to head back to Tokyo to help in this situation. Uh, leading into Episode 6, the SV2's Longest Day, Part 2. Um, 
Division Two have made a very temporary headquarters at the Shanghai restaurant. <laughs> um, it is the second day of the siege at this point, uh, but the rebels have not actually made any demands yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanuka, disguised as a delivery person from the restaurant, uh, manages to sneak into the main base and asks the mechanics for help. Uh, Sakaki tells Kanuka that the police academy... Uh, in the area has a patrolled, old, like yeah. an, a very old p- pat labor prototype that could, in theory, be used. Um, I, there's also another bit in here where it's like they took the startup discs. So, oh you know, because yeah. again, the pat labors seem to run on CD-ROMs. So <laughs> floppy like, disk. Uh, you know, don't copy that floppy. <laughs> um, you wouldn't copy a fettuccine Alfredo, would you? <laughs> That's a tweet. We'll never say never. That's but... a that's a tweet I saw this week, and it really it really filled me with glee. Um, so uh, could you NFT a, a fettuccine Alfredo? <laughs> I could, and I would. Uh, just leave a truck idling in the desert for five days to make pasta. Um, so is that the plot of Persona Five Strikers? <laughs> is this cyberpunk? You may be closer than you think, Dan. <laughs> this is cyberpunk. Um, but uh, but the main problem is that one of the mechanics overheard the rebels talking about a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanuka returns to the restaurant. Well, hold and, on, Dan. Oh. They gave me a 10,000 yen dollar. How do you expect me to cash it this early in the morning? Are you going to spot me? Yeah, acting. Oh. <laughs> She's clearly a delivery person. That's so. <laughs> me coming in. I got this one, boys. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, <laughs> Konoku returns to the restaurant and tells Goto the news, and he kind of starts trying to figure out what Kai's actual plan is. Uh, meanwhile, Shinobu has uh, a video yeah, conference. This is the scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, acting <laughs> from anime characters. Yeah. I mean, do you want to? Well, no, it, Shinobu is giving this uh, cable conference call with, like, the U.S. military. No, just oh, sorry. No, the, 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 the JSDF them. military, the uh, ones who aren't involved. And in they're this. like, you better back down, young miss, because you don't have the power here. And she goes, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to do what I want. And if you want me to do what you want me to do, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but and then they start to, you know, Goto was college buzz oh, yeah. with Kai. Yeah. You know, are, are you involved in this plot? She goes, what a bunch of fools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The greatest insult. And they, they try to have one of their... <laughs> on cable. Apprehend her. <laughs> but she, you know, she like just, don't touch me. And then like, you know... <laughs> Walks out. You know. Uh, but they can't do anything because they're just TV screens. Yeah. So. <laughs> what do we do now? Um, yeah. So the, the general, uh, su- you know, suspicion is that Goto was involved somehow because uh, he's been driving around staying mobile. <laughs> and so they issue a warrant for his arrest. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, Shinobu leaves the conference and is, I, I think, presumably, I think she was temporarily stripped of her rank for that yeah, stretch, but, but it, doesn't, really. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Oda, Kanuku, and Shinshi uh, decide to raise some hell yeah, uh, using so the police labor that they stole from they the stole academy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a helicopter machine gun that Kanuku borrowed from one of her connections in the U.S. military. Uh, they don't get v- very far. Uh, they they do manage to create like a great deal of chaos. Yeah, like they and they they drive the for- uh, the police force away from the main dude. Yeah, the, the commander. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, so they 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 create a distraction successfully. Um, while Goto, Goto. Uh, steals an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> like what's your well, problem? Well, he drives through a billboard. <laughs> 
Yeah. And steals an ambulance. Yeah. Was that his plan, Dan? All part of the plan. Yeah. I, All according to Kikako. Because he's very injured. <laughs> well, well I, presumably he, like, rolls the car on purpose, and then, you know, the guy... What's your like? He goes to the paramedic. What's your problem? My ambulance is gone. <laughs> so, but Goto has the ambulance and is driving into enemy territory. Yeah. Uh, now, um, so Asuma and Noah arrive in Tokyo. Asuma tells Goto that uh, he saw Kai in a restaurant in Hokkaido, and um, using that, Goto kind of triangulates where <laughs> Kai is probably like yeah. operating out of or what he's working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Goto calls up Matsui, the detective from the giant monster episode, uh, to help him. Uh, they contact the Maritime Authority, who tell them that a ship named the Safflower had been hijacked, or well, it, it was acting suspiciously off the coast and not reporting in. Mm-hmm. Another ship named the, Spe- the Pacific <laughs> is also in that same area, too, and it's running parallel to uh, the other ship. And they both have mountain guns on them. Yes. One of them has a real rocket launcher on it, and the other one presumably has a bunch of pipes set up to look like a rocket launcher um, to throw them off. Or throw pursuers off. Um, So uh, a short-range missile has been stolen from the U.S. military. I I think it was that the the U.S. were in... The, you know, they were visiting Japan for, like, a Pacific military demonstration, mm-hmm. um, and they had uh, sneaked this weapon into Japan illegally uh, to have it on standby, but it was stolen by uh, these terrorists. Um, so, uh, like, Goto calls the ship, and, uh, you know, he speaks to Kai directly and tries to call his bluff, but it does not work. And Kai sends out an ultimatum to the government, telling them to dissolve the diet, ban all political parties, and suspend the constitution. <laughs> Which I don't think is going to fly, no. but sure. Uh, again, presumably under the guise of being able to take more direct action about things, yeah. I, I could assume, uh, based on their, their name, um, you know, and if he, they do not do what he says, he will fire the, the nuclear missile pretty, directly into Tokyo, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but Goto has a plan. Uh, he enlists the help of the U.S. military as well as uh, Shinohara Heavy Industries. Uh, Shinohara Heavy Industries graciously lends uh, SV2 a prototype paratrooper mm-hmm. labor, uh, which uh, Shinohara correctly deduces like he's just doing that for uh, marketing. Like yeah. he just you know it's a good PR stunt. Yeah. Like you know this is this is bullshit. Um, but they do use the the paratrooper uh, labor. Um, I think that they have another phone conversation, and Goto manages to figure out which of the two ships uh, Kai is on, with being the Safflower. And Hiromi arrives from Okinawa. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Be the other one. Yeah. That's he, like shot up from the dips. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be placed in like a, a, a nuclear submarine, and yeah. his labor will be fired up uh, rapidly to the surface, uh, and he's the only one big enough to withstand <laughs> that kind of G force. Yeah. Um. So the plan goes into action. Uh, well, okay, there, there's a, another thing where uh, Matsuo and Goto are having this conversation. Like, do you agree with, mm-hmm. with what Kai is doing? Because mm-hmm. you two used to be bros. Yeah. Like, are you sure you're not, like, you know, believing what he's saying? Goats. But Goto has made it clear that he, like, became a cop instead of joining the military because he thought that he could do 
better for regular people yeah. that way. So when I take my villain turn and you're, you know, yeah. stuck on the police force, <laughs> whatever you're going to do. Exactly. That's it's usually be the same how story. it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's how it goes. Um, but, uh, the plan begins, uh, Noah in the paratrooper labor kind of comes down on the ship mm-hmm. and creates I've a, got a big gun! Yeah, <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, the, uh, the, I always forgot his name. Uh, Yamazaki is yeah. is fired up from the depths. Yeah. Uh, he manages to make it to the deck, and even though uh, the labor that he's in sustains a lot of damage, uh, the viewer is kind of kept in suspense for a moment because Kai just, sure enough, slams the the firing button, mm-hmm. um, and we see that in the nick of time, Yamazaki had grabbed the barrel. And yeah. caught the, the the nuclear weapon, you know, in his hand by yeah. you know constricting the barrel, mm-hmm. uh, so it came pretty close. But then Noah like busts open the the main <laughs> viewing deck and Got like, gun. yeah, everyone freeze! <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm here too. Which, if we didn't establish for Pat Labors, is they have like a sidearm, they arm, have giant guns, which is yeah, it's just a giant like woody gun, literal gun, <laughs> yeah. with big bullets in yeah. it. <laughs> so it's it's literally like a revolver. Um, just stored in one of their legs, but, uh, yeah. Kai is, is defeated, but he is confident that, uh... He will survive into tomorrow. Yeah, uh, surviving one plan lets <laughs> you plan for the, the next one. Oh. And it kind of, it kind of freeze frames on him. Um, we get the dramatic, like, paint wipe ending yeah. with his face on it, mm-hmm. uh... Again, presumably because the, the next OVA episode is kind of standalone, mm. um... You know, so it's, uh, you know, this might have been, you know, the end of an arc, sort of, and then the next one was a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, those are four episodes from the original OVA series of Pat Labor. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed them. I thought they were a lot of fun. Not I well. thought it was uh, different from the typical fare of mecha giant genre. Yeah. Um, I like that we got to know the pilots a little bit more than the mechs, even though the mechs are the merchandise. Yeah. I enjoyed it. That, that's what I could say, Dad. Another great pick that I've never been introduced to before. No, I'm glad. I mean, I think a lot more people should check this out in terms mm. of a tasting time. It, it, yeah, I, tasting I, time. I, like, I, I do recommend it very much to people. I mean, it, even according to, I don't know if it sticks this way, but like, if you're a fan of like Japanese cinema, like they had that Godzilla episode. Yeah. So I don't know what they do down the pipeline, but if that continues, I'd be intrigued. Yeah, well, I'm sure in the there's greater a few parody episodes. Yeah, I'm sure in the greater anime episode series itself, there's plenty of of that. Mm. You know, considering the time they have to play with. Um, but no, it, it's just a very unique little series. It, it focuses on the characters. the The giant robots are kind of like affectionately like they're they're again like they're the squad cars pretty much. But they're you know they're marketable. They are interesting but mm. the the core of the focus is is on these characters and how they interact the humor that derives from it and how they can actually solve problems when they they do work together and i, I again i found it very weirdly charming yeah because i went into this i i picked this series up after watching like some youtube reviews um where, you know n- not in-depth reviews because i didn't want to spoil anything mm-hmm. but like lists of of cyberpunk related anime and Mm -hmm. and based on ghost in the shell and other experiences with that (laughs) genre i popped this in i'm like is this going to be grimdark and and somber and no it 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 
juggles tones really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, depending on what episode you're going into, it mm-hmm. it can it can bring anything to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I definitely recommend everyone check it out. Yeah, you know. Well, <laughs> with that, have we reached another end, Dan? I believe we have. Is it time to reveal our social media platforms? <laughs> Yes, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis and our adjacent Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast Instagram account. Ooh, and you can follow me, Jonathan Gwykowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on the Twitter, or my two other podcasts. Aside from Dan Ryan, I'm a busy boy. I've got Nightcaps at the Theater currently on hiatus, but we've got plenty of episodes in the vaults. Probably coming at you sooner rather than later. I don't know. Um, And then if you like War and Peace, if you're a fan of Russian literature or Tolstoy, you could check out Drink and Read on Anchor and other podcasting platforms, where I read War and Peace chapter by chapter. We're nearly halfway through. Where are you people? (laughs) It's the best part of the novel. (laughs) I'm not joking, Dan. And I suppose you want a hint of what we're watching next week? I wouldn't mind it to spice things up. (laughs) Hmm. Well, you know, we said comfort, and we'll be fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight, never winning, never running from a real fight. It's the one called Sailor Moon, Dan. Holy shit. In the name of the moon, I'll punish you with four episodes from the original first season. This will probably be a long watch, but it'll be a truncated long watch, if that makes any sense. Yeah. We're Um, finally doing it. (laughs) I had to give my girl Usagi the moment that she needed. Now's the time. This is the hero we deserve. We're in the big leagues now. And need. Check us out next week for four episodes from the first season of Sailor Moon. Farewell. (laughs) But you didn't do anything. Jonathan says. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weeb horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast, or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Sayonara.